This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. I've been chasing I don't know what for years and years and years, and I got nothing to show for it. I got no friends. I got no girlfriend. Uh, I got a house, which is kind of cool, but uh, I'm like totally burned out. Scott Allen Turner, money moron to self-made millionaire, joins us on this episode. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we're here to bring you yet another way for you to put your faith to work, your bold ideas to life, because there's so much more left inside of you. And we have another great guest to remind us of that. Today, Scott Allen Turner joins us. He is the financial rock star who went from what he describes as a money moron at age 22 to becoming a self-made millionaire 13 years later. He's an early retiree now, though, who spends his time helping people get out of debt faster, save more money, and retire rich. And if you think you've heard it all before, then just stay with us on this program because he's also the radio and podcast host of the Scott Allen Turner Show and the best-selling author of the 99-Minute Millionaire. So without any further ado, we're going to welcome Scott Allen Turner. Thanks. So glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you as well. Uh, now, you have one of the more interesting uh, bios that we've run across, at least as far as guests on the show. And and you you called yourself a former financial moron. Money moron. Mo- money, moron. money moron. Let's get that right. Yeah, <laughs> money moron. <laughs> where, where, where did that all come about? I grew up without having a any type of education about personal finance. I think most people can relate to that. Um, my parents lived a very simple life. Mm-hmm. They never owned a home, never borrowed money, never had credit cards, never had a 401k. My dad was blue collar. My mom worked at a coffee shop part-time. So I didn't learn a lot other than, hey, you should save. Then when I got out of college, I was introduced to the world and uh, learned <laughs> learned how not to manage money, we'll say. I had student <laughs> loans, credit card debt, too much car, too much house, uh, you know, typical American single guy. What did you and start doing when you went out of, when you got out of college? What was your first job? Yeah, I had an IT degree. So I worked for a very small startup company and uh, what was it? So- writing software. And I was not, not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, what's funny is my dad was a president of a international bank. I've never learned anything about finances from my dad. Yeah. Well, you know, that makes three of us because my dad <laughs> was not I mean, my dad was an auto mechanic, right? So blue collar, probably like yours, Scott, (laughs) didn't learn a lick about finances. I'm just saying, I don't think it matters what color the collar is. I suppose that's right. Seems like dads suck at teaching people (laughs) finance management. (laughs) Sorry, keep going, Scott. Yeah, finance is a very touchy subject in our society, so people don't want to talk about it with their kids. Kids don't want to talk about it with their parents, which is dangerous uh, nowadays the way our parents are haven't saved for retirement. So we can get into that a little bit later. But in my situation, yeah, too much personal debt. Then I got into too much house, found myself with an empty bank account, really nice house, really big mortgage, <laughs> but in uh, one income. So I was like, oh, this is not not good. <laughs> that was my kind of defining moment when I started learning about personal finance and making some corrections in my life to pay back the debt, to build up an emergency fund and start moving towards a life of prosperity rather than being in debt. Okay. Now you glossed over something that I think is, yeah. I mean, you put a lot of polish on what you described as a defining moment. So 
all the while I'm picturing you kind of reaching this point where things are going to crash in a, in a, in an instant. And you're going to have this wake up call that says, Hey, I got to change the way I've been doing things. I got to learn some of this stuff. Did that happen? Or was this a gradual thing where just to walk us through that shift from where you went from being a money moron to, okay, now I'm in, I'm more enlightened or I'm going to enlighten myself. So that was a shift for you. And how did that happen? It was when I was single, I mentioned cars. So I had a really expensive apartment. I had a really nice car. It was a Porsche. Um, so I had an $800 a month car payment. Thought I was pretty cool. <laughs> then I moved into the house, which gave me a big mortgage along with that. And the defining moment was I was commuting at that point 40, 45 minutes a day each way to my job. And there's this billboard up on the side of the highway advertising a guy in the radio car called uh, Clark Howard was his name. I live back in Atlanta. He's a big syndicated radio host. And I tuned to his show one day and started learning about, oh, you should have an emergency fund. Oh, you really shouldn't have this much mortgage. Or here's where I, PMI, private mortgage insurance, is bad for you, which I had on my house. They let me get with 5% down. Um, and so that was a rude awakening for me. And probably within a few weeks of listening to him, I ended up selling my car, getting rid of the car payment at the same time, and just buying this beater chunk truck. I call it just $6,500. I paid cash for it. And in that kind of instant, I went from having this huge car payment, a bunch of debt to having no car payment and starting an emergency fund. And that got me on the way to getting out of that bad situation. So typically when I hear emergency fund, my mind immediately goes to uh, Financial Peace University and Dave Ramsey. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious, is, is this going to sound a lot like a, a lot of the Dave Ramsey material or is there something unique about what you present? The emergency fund is not specific to him. You talk to any financial planner that's been around for probably, I, don't, you know, I couldn't even remember, decades and decades. But that's something that people need to have in place because bad things are bound to happen. You could have a job loss. In my case, I was single, but if I had, had a job loss, I would have been uh, in a bad spot because I wouldn't have been able to pay my mortgage. I didn't have any savings. Hmm. And you never know when a job loss is going to hit, when you're going to come down with some type of sickness or disability or uh, I call it the surprise baby. Hey, we got another kid on the way. Which <laughs> kids are not cheap. <laughs> we weren't expecting that. Now mom's going to stay or dad, mom or dad is going to stay home with the kids for three months and that income's not available. And it covers things like that. And preferably you have three to six months set aside in cash for your discretion, non-discretionary expenses so that you can ride out those times. Right on. So how did you get into the whole financial rock star guy coming out of bad uh, financial decisions, starting to make an emergency fund, kicking out the old car payments and just stabilizing your life financially? What, how, what, what, what was the rest of the process that led you to becoming financial rock star? Well, I wish I could say that was my last money and moron moment, but it would continue. Ooh, tell us more. <laughs> I, start, I started getting, I was... About that same time, I started learning about investing the wrong way. And I lost $40,000 in the stock market trying to pick individual stocks. I was oh. doing some day trading, penny stocks. If there was something dumb to do with money, I probably did it. But <laughs> <laughs> And learning from that experience as well happened about the same time. I started investing a more simpler way and building wealth. And my job, I was in IT, so I did pretty well. I made a decent income. I got into entrepreneurship. Had a number of companies over the years, married my lovely wife, and she and I got on the same page with our finances. We kind of lived a little bit of a frugal life. 
for a period of time, which allowed us to save more. And we've been debt-free since 2009. Hey, that's great. I want to jump back to the time when you were a moron because I think there's there's a lot of, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff to pick, to pick up on you know your transformation. But I want to I want to understand what were you thinking? I mean, because I'd like to understand how that might apply to some of the things that I'm currently thinking, and maybe some of the habits that the rest of us as money morons might be thinking about as well. So what would you say are maybe some of the habits that you've had or you've seen other money morons have? Um, that we should be aware of? I think the biggest one is just what you said right there. Most people don't realize it is to be aware because I know in my own life and you guys probably like this too, we just spend and we don't even know what we're spending on. And at the end of the month, you realize, wow, I spent all my paycheck. What have I got to show for it? I have no idea where that money went. And that can be as simple as figuring out, looking at my credit card statements, looking at my bank statements, where did that money go? And trying to figure out, all right, I spent... $300 on breakfast, going out to breakfast each day. And a lot of people don't realize that. It adds up really, really quick Mm -hmm. when you sit down and do the math. And becoming aware of it makes you a better spender. It sounds weird. sounds like a little hocus pocus, but just monitoring your money, figuring out where it goes, you subconsciously will think, oh, you know, maybe I don't want that breakfast. Maybe I don't want uh, one muffin instead of two, or in my case, maybe like one donut instead of six, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And that, that awareness really helps. So that's the starting point, just being aware of where your money is going. Nice. Well, so, so when you look back at the decisions that you made, I mean, you, you get this job in IT. So I'm guessing you're getting some, some coin, you know, that uh, you probably had, hadn't had up until that time, I'm guessing. And so, you mm-hmm. know, you got this fresh paycheck that's coming in. So, so you adopted some habits that caused you to overspend in your early years. What were some of those when you look back and you say, if I had to do it over again, these are the things that I would advise young people to stay away from, or in fact, anybody for that matter to stay away from? Uh, for my situation, it was number one, having way too much apartment. I mean, I was paying, this was years ago, I was paying $1,000 a month for an apartment, which is pretty insane for a single guy at the time. I don't know mm-hmm. what that'd be in today's dollars, 1500 or something. That's mm-hmm. crazy for rent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's twice as much as some people's mortgage payment. And then the car as well. When I look back on my car decisions, I had a junker coming out of college and then I traded in my nice car for a junker. And in between, I got a brand new Jeep. I've done the math. If I had just taken out those two vehicles and the car payments, the depreciation, the extra insurance, I had both, I had both those vehicles in my early 20s, Combined, I had them two or three years. But all that money that I lost in them, if I had invested it in probably age 65, 70, that 40-year span, I'd have a million plus dollars at retirement, hmm. which that's, is a crazy amount of money. That, now, that's <laughs> a, that, that brings awareness to a whole new level, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's like opportunity cost that mm-hmm. you could have had um, had you, had you not, uh, not put it there. Okay, so Scott, take us forward here now. Um, you, you said you sucked at doing IT development. <laughs> what, what happened next? <laughs> yeah, I worked from that company. I worked for another startup company. And I was doing three years of working my day job, working evenings and weekends at the startup business. A couple guys approached me. And one day I just got totally burnt out from that schedule. Three years, 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, my girlfriend dumped me all the time. She's like, you'll work too much. So that was over with. Dad came down with prostate cancer. That was like the C word is an awakening in mm-hmm. everyone's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got through that. And just the grind of the business. 
So I think one day at church, they were giving a sermon and our pastor, Tommy, he was talking about Ecclesiastes. And I remember as plain as day. It's one of those sermons that sticks with that forever. <laughs> I think there's like a handful of messages you'll hear throughout your lifetime. And that was just one of them. Mm. And it was like chasing after the sun or chasing after the wind. Mm. It was like, you're right, dude. I mean, I've been chasing, I don't know what, for years and years and years. And I got nothing to show for. I got no friends. I got no girlfriend. Uh, I got a house, which is kind of cool, but uh, I'm like totally burned out. So after hearing him, I think I resigned within a week or two for my corporate job. With that, with nothing to do? I mean, you just up and just said, I'm, I'm quitting and we'll just see what God does for me therein or thereafter. No, I did have a plan, which okay. I, anyone in that situation, I certainly recommend you have a plan. Yeah, because it seems My, like that would be another money moron moment, it would yes, seem. I, would. <laughs> I had six months of an emergency fund in place in case my side gig did not pan out. What I did was I had a couple of business partners and I went to them and said, hey guys, I'm burnt out. I haven't been getting a paycheck for three years. Do we have enough money so I can pay my mortgage and my insurance? Just the, the basic necessities. Guy got back to me the next day, said, yes, we do. Uh, you can come on full time. And so that was the decision for me. A, do I have a fallback plan, which was the emergency fund? And B, am I going to make enough money at my new job, which was my own business, to pay just the basic bills, no frills, nothing else? Okay, so when did you start your new business? So now you're this becoming this financial rock star, right? Yeah, that was on the path. So that was 2003, I went full time in my own uh, business. And then 2005, I met my lovely wife. So we combined our households and finances. She was in um, working in Atlanta at the time. And another situation came up. She was, we we're at her brother's wedding. This is a good story. We we're at her brother's wedding. It was either Friday or Saturday. We're living in Atlanta and my wife wants nothing more than to come back home to Texas. In fact, it was a requirement of uh, our marriage. She said, <laughs> I'll marry you, but you got to bring me home because that's where her family is. She's okay. just in the family. <laughs> And she worked for a major defense contractor who had an operation in Dallas. So she thought she'd get a, get a good transfer. And we're at her brother's wedding. She's on her phone with her boss. And she had applied for this job opening to move back home. And he said, no, I just gave you a promotion. Uh, you're working for me for the next year and a half. And this, that was just devastating mm. to her at the time. So I remember we're sitting in the hotel room, we're getting ready to go to this wedding and like she's all crying and everything. We're like, you know what? We're going to go back and you're just going to quit. Uh, you can go to school full time, finish up your degree. Once you finish your degree, we'll move back to Texas. And so that was a big turning point in our life. Mm. And the financial cushion that we had, the income for me, again, it was a well thought out decision. You don't have to work. We didn't have kids at the time. You don't have to work full time, go to school, get your degree and then we'll move. So it's not, going to get your degree, that sounds like a, a good way to accumulate debt. And was that a part of the process? It was not. Her job paid for her first couple semesters, and then we just paid out of pocket for the rest. She went to a state school. It was an MBA program. So it was, I think, sixteen between sixteen dollars and $20,000 that we paid for her degree and to get her master's degree. So now you help people. Um, get out of debt faster, just as you had, and, and accumulate some wealth and retire earlier. How, how do you help them? I have a show. I do it three times a week. It's called the Scott Allen Turner Show. I started it a couple years ago. I had achieved financial independence at an early age, and I was at a turning point in my own life. I'd sold one of the companies that we owned, um, did pretty well with that sale. 
And I was sitting around thinking, you know, what can I do next? I've been in IT all this time. I've been living in the cave, I called it, sitting behind the computer, never having interaction with anyone. I'm a bit of an introvert. So I thought, here's (laughs) a good idea. Let me go out and become a public speaker, Um, (laughs) interact with people all the time and help them and avoid them make the money moron mistakes that I used to make Um, to get uh, the rewarding, the rewarding feeling out of that has Mm -hmm. been amazing. So I get the pleasure of spending my time answering people's questions about, you know, how do I get out of debt? How do I get started investing? Or I've got this business, I'm looking to grow it since I've got a lot of business background. Wait, so what kind of business did you have that you sold? My wife and I started a company on teaching architects and general contractors about green building and education. Okay, now you've really <laughs> now, you're, now you've really done it for me here. Okay, Scott, you've been an IT guy, mm-hmm. and uh, and probably a number of things along the way. But now you're you got this business that you just sold that's like 180 degrees different than that, and now an entirely new pivot to helping people financially uh, deal with their money moron uh, challenges. And how did you make that decision to move into what you're doing right now? I mean, we, we like to explore these transitions in the Bold Idea podcast. So how did your decision-making process bring you to where you are today? When I was thinking about getting into personal finance, so it had been 15 years since I had made that pivot from being in my own house and being under this burden of debt and having all this education, reading books, working with our own financial planner after we got married. So I had all this head knowledge and I really enjoyed the topic of finance and I enjoyed taking the complex topics and break them down into something that is simple and people can understand. And after we sold our business, I was thinking, what am I gonna do next? I can go start another software company, kind of financially secure money. Making more money is not gonna make me more happy. What can I do? And I thought maybe I'd always had a like a vision, maybe a dream of getting into personal finance. Clark Howard, as I mentioned earlier, he's kind of like one of my inspirations uh, during my early days. So, I mean, what he does is cool. He gets to help people all day long. Mm-hmm. So I just made the decision. I, I'm going to get into personal finance and I'm going to throw myself out there and do basically the exact opposite of everything that I have ever done in my life. Because <laughs> if I don't, I don't want to look back in five or 10 years and think to myself, man, I, I wonder what would have happened if I had done that or I wish I would have done that. And I don't want to have a life of regrets. Okay. Well, you hadn't done any of that prior to deciding you're going to help people, help help them with their finances, right? I mean, you hadn't that's not that that was like a new ground for you. You know that you had gone through it yourself and apart from mm-hmm. that, you hadn't really been out there helping people with it, right? Right. Okay. So what did you do kind of day 1? How did you how did you decide, all right, this is the new thing I'm going to do? Where did you start? My starting point was I had been a subscriber to several email lists about um, various website topics. So these guys that I respect in the industry are holding this business seminar for a small, intimate group of people. Pat Flynn and Chris Ducker are their names. And they're holding it in San Diego. I thought, I'm going to go out here and kind of like have these guys pick apart my business. The opportunity to get some some guys that I respect, get some input from them and see what they think about this direction that I'm going. And for me, I was was really committed. I had the belief that I could do it. And I've had that kind of over looking at my past experience I'm a big believer of, you know, we're all equal on the inside. You know, some of us are five, six, some of us are six foot, whatever, eight. But on the inside, it's a level 
playing field for the most part. And for me, I had a big belief, you know, I can achieve great things and I can help a lot of people and I don't see anything that can stop me. I've got, I've got the time, I've got the finances, I've got the drive, I've got the motivation. Um, I'm, I'm inspired to do it. And so I'm just going to go for it. And the worst thing that could happen is you know, I, I fail and I'll find something else to do. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. I mean, of course, we love our corporate sponsors, but I really love it when we have an episode that's sponsored by our listeners. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree with you. It's the best compliments we ever get is knowing that people are out there that want to invest in this to keep this going. And I think everybody knows, I hope by now that we are doing this as really as a passion project. Neither of us take any money from it. In fact, it costs us more than we are getting even in sponsorships to put this program out on the air. So every little bit helps. That's right. So if you want to help invest in this and keep this thing going, we'd love to see your support. Just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. And remember, every donation you make is a tax deductible contribution and comes from the bottom of our heart. A sincere thank you. You know, you mentioned you were inspired by your pastor's sermon on Ecclesiastes, Vanity and Vanities and Chasing After the Wind. How did you discern that this was something that wouldn't be another one of those exercises in futility? I mean, there, face it, there are a lot of people out there giving others financial advice, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, honestly, I, I didn't know. But I do know if I didn't go for it, then I would never know. So I decided, you know, this is this is it. This is the thing I'm going to try. I didn't really have to convince my wife because she was a believer in what I had done uh, pri- previously in other businesses. So I sat down with her. I said, you know, here's, here's what I'm thinking of doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is a f- wonderful conversation. You know, I, I've been in IT all these years. I want to go, go on the talking circuit and teach people about personal finance. And she said, I believe you can do it because you've done all these other things. Uh, go for it. And she gave me the okay to buy the plane ticket out to this business meeting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of, I mean, it really helps when your spouse is behind you 100% there. How, how does your, what's your faith background here? How did that play into some of the decision-making process that you had or maybe informed you about what, what you might explore in your life? Yeah, I don't want to get into that because if you do or do not have a spouse or significant other backing, when I'm talking to people and giving them advice, I always say, you know, what is the worst case scenario that is going to happen mm-hmm. if you try a new job or you go out and do this thing, X, Y, and Z, whatever it is, you invest in something and it fails completely. Mm-hmm. And I look back to the Bible where it says, all right, God doesn't let the birds go hungry. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gives the bees, the flowers, and the birds, the bird seed or whatever they get, the worms. <laughs> and he's not going to let you my house. Yeah. <laughs> He is not going to let you or I go hungry either. So the worst case scenario, I look at it in my own life. Well, all right, I could lose my home. Uh, you know, I can move in somebody and live on the couch for a while. Worst case scenario. There's food ab- in abundance in our country. There's food pantries, soup kitchens, whatever. So I'm not going to go hungry. I've got clothes on my back and I can get clothes from somewhere else, some other donation center. Worst case scenario. 
And that's it. So I've got my basic necessities need in the worst case scenario. I've got food, I've got shelter, and I've got clothing no matter what else happens. Mm-hmm. And that's generally my mindset. If I'm starting a new business, worst thing that can happen, well, I've got food, I've got clothing, I've got shelter, I'm, I'm good. If you're half a million dollars in debt, well, you still got food and clothing and shelter, you're, you're good. You work your way out of that. You know, isn't that so true? I had a conversation with somebody not long ago, and we went down the exact same path with them. I was like, what's the worst that could happen? Well, I'd lose my job. Okay, so what? What would you do then? You know, you just take a, start pulling that all apart, and you find that there's so much fear wrapped up in the things that we possess today that Mm -hmm. we don't get back to this. You know what? You'll be okay if all that stuff goes away, right? Just as you described. Yeah, exactly. And most of what we're afraid of is, well, we're going to lose our stuff. Yes. You can buy more stuff. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about that because as you are successful in helping people get out of debt and bring on some financial prosperity in their own life, how do you help them not become so attached to it that they're not willing to, to, you know, be bold and take the bold steps that perhaps they should in their life? I am, I've learned a lot probably in the past couple of years about how we're tied so much into consumerism. And when you start separating out the stuff from the experiences and the memories that you can get from vacations or hanging out with people or just sharing a meal or whatever. And when, you, when I start teaching people about that and figuring out you know, why do we buy what we buy or what are we doing, what are we doing? Why are we saving? All right, you want a million dollars? Well, why do you want a million dollars? Because we don't want a bunch of you know, dead presidents on a piece of paper lying in front of us. It's what that is going to get us. Is it the financial freedom or the ability to help people? Um, in my own life, you know, some situation happens to a friend or someone I want to help. Hey, here's a check. And then that problem is solved for them. And that's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to get people to understand and work towards. Let's consume less or let's realize why are we consuming what we're consuming? Nothing bad with liking stuff. I like stuff too. But outside of that, what do you really want? And what's more important? I don't think, I think most people don't recognize that there's something else out there I call it financial freedom, that is so much more than the stuff that you own. Mm. So when you went and took your idea to these business people that you respected, did any of them ask you, Scott, why are you doing this? Like, what's what's driving you behind this? What I There's a couple of things I got out of that meeting. One was, I'm, that was the first time I mentioned the word money moron. You know, I was okay. up in front of the room with these two guys and said, you know, I'm a former money roar. And one of them says, I like that. And when I heard him say, I like that, that's why it still sticks to this day. <laughs> so people can relate to that. That's what I used of to course. do. I still do money moron things. Of course. We all have <laughs> yeah. moron yeah. moments, right? <laughs> <laughs> I still have them. Unfortunately, they never go away. <laughs> so that was the one big takeaway. And the other was the whole, it was weird. I was talking about what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to help people get out of debt, uh, save more money, save for retirement. And oh, by the way, I'm a rock and roller because I played in a band and that's how I dress. And it was neither one of them. It was one of their assistants who was manning like the video booth. She says, I like that. I like that. I would listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, really? And then a couple of the guys approached me later on. The lighting guy, the guy who's running the lighting for the whole event, he walked up to me and said, yeah, you need to go with that, the rock and roll. <laughs> so that kind of <laughs> stuck with me as well. And that's a bit what the whole thing is about. Normal society is, let's drive cars we can't afford that the bank really owns. Yeah. Let's go buy a bunch of stuff. 
let's buy way too much house so that we're in debt to our, to our eyeballs and it takes us forever to get out of it, if we ever get out of it. And the rock and roll mentality is it's a little bit rebellious. It's going against the norm, going against society. It's, hey, there's a different life out here. It's not like crazy rock and roll like you think of, but we do things a little bit differently. And there's a reason for that because we want this financial independence. We don't want to be burdened by debt. We want to be free. We want to be able to give generously because we've got a bunch of money that we've accumulated. Now, tell us about your book, The 99-Minute Millionaire. Are you, are you really proposing that somebody can be a millionaire in 99 minutes? They can read the book in 99 minutes. <laughs> That's where that okay, came from. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, on my show, the, one of the top questions I got asked by people is, how do I get started investing? So over and over and over again. And things that you or I might take for granted or that we've been taught, here's how to invest. You know, here's what's going on in your 401k. But nobody comes out of the womb knowing that stuff. I certainly did not. That's why I lost 40 grand. So I challenge myself, I want to take somebody from not knowing anything about investing, nothing about compound interest. Here's why you should save money. Here's the importance of it. And in 99 minutes, you're an investor. Really simple stuff. And getting into your 401k and here's what's going on in there. And the reviews up on Amazon have been amazing. Um, people get it. Uh, break it down. I use a lot of food analogies because I love food. So it makes it very understandable. A lot of donuts. A lot of donuts and pizza in this book. Which <laughs> makes right. you hungry too. <laughs> yeah, good. That's just what I need to read. <laughs> so it sounds like it's really the off-ramp for being a money moron and the on-ramp for being your own personal financial rock star. It's how to get started investing really, really simply. A beginner's guide. And I've really enjoyed writing it. It's gotten a lot of great feedback. And it's helped a lot of people too. What is the most frequent advice you find yourself giving money morons? It comes, most people, they've got so much complexity going on in their life, they just do not know where to start. I mean, they've, we've got student loans, credit cards, car payments, and then we're trying to save for retirement and save for house. So they've got so many targets in their lives and they're trying to hit all of them at the same time. And they usually end up hitting, hitting none or doing each one very poorly. So it's a matter of what is your number one goal? is what I try to help people establish. And think about their whole life. What's the first thing that you want to get done? Normally, if it's you're in debt, all right, let's get that paid off first. But then you, some people in the situation, do I save for a house or do I invest or I want to get into rental homes as well? And you have to kind of guide them down the path. Here the pros and cons of each because each person is unique. They've got a unique situation and they might have unique short, medium and long-term goals. Mm-hmm. How do you set yourself apart from all the other probably 200 books that are out there on the same topic? When I got into the industry, I made uh, just a personal stance, of, and if someone was tied to my financial being, is that I wasn't going to take any product endorsements, any kickbacks, not do any advertising of any financial products at all, which means I have zero conflict of interest. So when I'm presenting options to people, I'll say you got option X, Y, and Z. Here's the different costs. Here's the pros and cons of each. Nobody's paying me for my advice. And it's just totally unbiased. So that's that's probably the biggest one. So I'm not influenced by anything. I'm not trying to sell people on anything. And people appreciate that. I'm not trying to get their business. I don't even have any products. My book's 99 cents on Amazon. So that's not, I'm not getting rich over here on that book. So it should be the 99 cent millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, I, I, 
and I'm asking from a potential customer standpoint, right? So give us maybe a couple pieces of advice that would make someone who's a potential customer of yours or a potential buyer of your book actually want to buy your book. I can almost guarantee to a T when you go through this book, number one, if you already know investing, you're going to have analogies and stories that are going to help you share that with other people to inform them. So you're going to be a better teacher, number one. And if you don't know about the material, you're finally going to have the veil lifted over your eyes. You're like, oh, I finally get it. I understand investing. I understand these terms and it makes sense to me. And now I can go do it and I'm not going to be afraid. A lot of people are really, really scared of investing because it's made out to be super, super complex, which some of it is, but the easy stuff is easy. And this book breaks it down into really easy, bite-sized, manageable terms. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to pick up a copy for myself. But Scott, tell us before we go, what is your next bold idea? My next bold idea, I actually just finished it up a couple weeks ago. I have written a children's book called Money A to Z because I have twin twins. They just turned four a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. And I started last year. I was like, how am I going to teach these guys about money? Oh, wait, I don't even want to not just teach them about it, but how am I going to teach like as many kids as possible about money? And so I wrote this children's book and it's just basic, simple letters relating to money that a two-year-old to a five-year-old can understand and it's just now this week up on Amazon. So that's great. Just as we were saying at the top of the show, we probably could have used this when we were when yeah. we were kids. Send that back in time, Scott. Let's do that. All right. Now, how can our audience get a hold of you? My website is Scott Allen Turner, A-L-N, AllenTurner.com. And I would love to hear from people, get their questions and more than happy to help them out. Yeah, that's great. And we'll have that uh, uh, URL on our show notes as well. So our audience can look it up very quickly. But Scott, thanks for uh, being on the Bold Idea Podcast with us. It was great to have you on. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Armin. You got it, man. Take care. All right, Armin, we've said goodbye to Scott, and now we get to talk about him. Yes, yeah, backbiting. Here we go. <laughs> no, I really like Scott. He's, uh, he's a great communicator. He's very confident, and he's clearly um, done this interviewing thing quite a, quite a few times. You can just tell from how well he delivers. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was hoping that I could pull out of, or we could pull out of Scott was more of the how to content, you know, and, um, just, just having, uh, been around people like him before or gone through classes like financial peace university of Dave Ramsey. Um, I I was just hoping to pull out something different, you know, and Mm -hmm. it, and I guess my takeaways with Scott was that, uh, you pay off debt, you save money and you invest, right. Mm -hmm. Which is it's great advice, but it's, it's there, there isn't a differentiator there. And I, and I, and maybe I didn't do a good enough job trying to pulling that out, but I, I was hoping to get more of that how to guide out of them to see what <laughs> might be a little bit different. Well, in all fairness to Scott, I don't know that um, there's going to be a lot that one guy can say, here's the recipe that's going to work for everybody. In fact, I, I think he pointed out that everybody's situation is complex and different and we don't necessarily know where to start. Right. And he did say his book takes 99 minutes to read and we don't have that much time for an interview. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think there's still some really good stuff here to, to come away with. And one of the kind of the meta themes that I pick out of this interview is he did some pretty significant pivots in his personal life. Yeah, those were significant. And those pivots were made possible because, you know, he said, I I did what I needed to do to set up an emergency fund. And once I had that, then it gave him the freedom to move 
when things didn't quite go the way he wanted them to, or when he thought there might be a better opportunity to pursue, like he did with saying, hey, I'm thinking I want to do this financial rock star thing, and and how do I go about doing that? Because that, he wasn't doing that at all to begin with. This right. was just like, all right, we're going down this path. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to go down this path. Now, if that isn't a bold idea, yeah. I mean, I'd have a hard time describing what one would be like, because that's like not only bold, it's like highly risky. Yeah. Because you're moving from one thing you've used to do and you have some expertise in to another thing where per, arguably the only expertise he had was his own experience and right. the desire, you know, to help others. Right. Um, but he did something I thought that was really smart. He went and he had it validated with people who did know what they were doing in that space. Right. And uh, very few of us, I think will do both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, take, it takes a lot to take a big step like that. It's true. I, th- I think Scott has more to offer in the sense that he he found success or enough success to be able to take or continue to take bold uh, actions and take bold risks in terms of he was in IT, wasn't good at it, but he got what he needed out of it to be able to take the next big step. And that next step, big step was a business that he had started, right? So how did you decide to get into that business? What what made it successful? And then he said he'd started a business with his wife, which was Mm -hmm. something that didn't seem like it aligned at all with anything in his background, which is greenhouses and working with contractors. So it's like, all right, you, you, you probably leveraged your wife's background and took your business background and took her knowledge and made a successful business. Like, how did you do that? And is that like a repeatable, replicable, scalable model that you figured out in there that you can pass off to other people that helps people create a new income stream, right? And then he went into the financial side of it again, where it's a brand new business. He hasn't, he's done it for himself, but he hasn't been in the financial industry, but it's a brand new business and he's, and he's successful at doing it. He sold a ridiculous amount of books. He's getting a lot of clients and he's built a brand around himself as the quote unquote financial rock star. So if there's anything that I see Scott's doing really well, is just creating businesses around himself, even businesses he has no background is, but he's finding enough success to continue to you know, fast forward or evolve his life, which I think is really fascinating. And I think there's something there that Scott could probably help a lot of other people with and saying, here, let me help you find the business in you to, to keep your job yet find a new income stream as well. Yeah. You know, when I asked him at the very beginning of the interview about, you know, what are some of the habits of money morons, right? He, he, he indicated that awareness is one of the key things that you have to have, like right. where you're spending your money and all that. Right. Right. Now, as I'm listening to you, just now, it occurs to me that there's a theme that I'm picking up, at least. Now, this is a little tough because, you know, we've had all 30 minutes with Scott. Yeah. <laughs> so we know we're going to yeah, pontificate <laughs> on what Scott's all about, which is like, okay, now that's as foolish of an errand as possible. But look, look at it this way. I see what he said to us, which is really key in financial management is just awareness. Mm-hmm. But if you look at what he, how he described his life, he has that self-awareness as well. I mean, he noticed what he was doing in terms of how he was spending his money yeah. and he had to make that change. So just that awareness that he's talking about that we need to have with our financial situation, he did. But he also was aware when jobs and vocations were not a fit for him mm. and he made that change as well, right? Yeah. And then when we asked him about how does he advise his clients, one of the questions that he asked them in, in terms of when they're pursuing what they want to pursue, or at least put it out there, he asked them why. 
Yeah. Why do you want to pursue it? Which is another awareness question. Yeah, it's so, a great question. So it just seems like what do you Scott, want to do with that? Yes, yeah, Scott is really wired around this whole theme of awareness, and I think for us, a takeaway for me out of this interview is is just to dial up the awareness factor, right? Mm-hmm. To say, look, where where am I using my resources? You know, yeah. my money, yeah, my time, my talent. You know, all those things, where am I using those resources and are they serving the why? So what's the why? Yeah. So can I connect the way in which I'm using my resources to the why Hmm. of what I'm trying to accomplish? And I see that in Scott. I see that that's what he did in aligning his life and getting him to where he wanted to be. He's, he became aware of how he was spending his resources and then he became aware of what he wanted to do with them. I think you're right. I think you just nailed it. I, I I can't agree more. It is the awareness factor and finding your why and what you do with your money and why you even want the money. I think that's right. You nailed it. Well, I don't know. I just got a little chill here when I realized I needed to do this. Yeah. <laughs> why work myself too, you know? Yeah, so I do too. So that's well, good. I need to do it with my wife because she's our CFO. Yeah. I'm the chief money spender. Yeah. And if I remember some of the Facebook posts, she's also very good at putting up a bunch of uh, goals and charts and all that kind of stuff for your family planning. That yeah, should man. be coming up. We're getting she, close to the end of the year, right? Yeah. She goes Adolf Hitler and, uh, <laughs> in, in uh, the January. Do you, do you really want to be saying that about her? <laughs> she's, a, she's, <laughs> she's, a, she's a wonderful lady. I don't know. She's far this thing from Adolf Hitler. <laughs> she is. Just, she's very serious about goal setting. Army. <laughs> Your wife loves you tremendously, and so do I. <laughs> well, clearly we are at the end of our show because other any more time spent on this and would go downhill from here. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode. You'll find the show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash 46. You'll find the link to Scott's websites as well and also to his Amazon book, which you can get for 99 cents. What a deal. Wow. Um, so pick that book up there. And also leave a comment for us at boldideapodcast.com slash 46 or uh Leave a comment on our social media or join us on our show line at 612-568-IDEA, 612-568-4332. Well, that's all the time that we have this week. We're glad that you uh, have made the Bold Idea Podcast a part of your listening experience. We sure hope you enjoy it. Please share it with your friends and let us know how you think we're doing. And until next week, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. Saying so long. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.